With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on our Facebook, YouTube and Twitter accounts and later on our podcast channel. If you're watching live on YouTube, please remember to hit that subscribe button. And later on the podcast channel, please remember to like and follow and leave us a rating and review. We certainly do appreciate it. I'm Majimus Grove and as usual joined by Aaron Stokes for our weekly Q&A session. We had hoped to come into this on the back of three points as Newcastle took on Bournemouth on Saturday. But sadly, Newcastle couldn't manage it. All they could do is manage yet another draw. And I have to say, Aaron, I was disappointed at the performance, disappointed at the results. I'm a little glad that we didn't do this podcast directly after the match because I think, like a lot of people watching and listening to this, their reaction would have been much different to what it is in the days after, once I got home, you know, took the Sunday to kind of reflect and you go over the context of Newcastle season so far, uh, 10th in the league, only lost once, three points off six. Then it's not as bad as it seems. However, there are some negatives which we have to talk about as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like you, I'm glad that we didn't do this podcast on Saturday evening. I think it would have been a bit more heated. We've had a couple of days to settle down. But, yeah, disappointing performance, disappointing result. You know, we were all hoping after waiting so long for football to be back, especially ahead of a two-week international break. We wanted, you know, a big result to celebrate. Um, and it just wasn't to be. Bournemouth sitting very, very deep. Newcastle just not looking like they had a way to break them down. <sighs> Slightly concerning performance, I think. You know, it's the comment that everyone's been making about how Newcastle United just don't seem to be able to cope without their best players, um, and they just can't find sort of a plan B um, without sort of the likes of Wilson, Maxi. So, a lot of work to be done in the next two weeks, I think, before the Fulham game. Now we've applied the positives. We're going to talk about the negatives, but I think if you take both sides out, the bottom line is a one-one draw against Bournemouth is not good enough for Newcastle United, regardless if it's Newcastle United aiming for a top 10 position or if it's Newcastle United aiming for a mid-table finish. Yeah, I mean, it was a must-win game and I know that sounds a bit silly to say when, you know, we'd only had six games played, but it felt like, you know, how spoke after the Palace game about how he wasn't happy and they needed to get points on the board. What, you know, better game would you have hoped for to do just that than, you know, a team that conceded nine just a couple of weeks ago? without, you know, a permanent manager at the minute, it just seemed like an absolute slam dunk. But, you know, as we touched on, it was it just turned into a very, very frustrating and concerning afternoon. Um and look, it's early doors. I don't think it's it's panic stations by any means, but, you know, it it's just a bit of a reminder as to where Newcastle are and where they need to be, you know, to make that next step. Well certainly and I was having this discussion with, with fans after the game and I've consistently said that for me like 11 place finishing a, a decent cup run would do because I don't think 
A, it's healthy putting on massive expectation on your cast night. And, and again, you guys watching this and this might say, oh, well, I'm being a bit pessimistic. But for me, considering when Newcastle have been in the last few years, to then lay down a marker of a seventh or eighth place finish has always seemed a little bit too much in my eyes. And I think the last couple of games has just reaffirmed that when you look at the squad depth, you look at who's coming off the bench. I mean, when you got the team sheet on Saturday and you saw that bench... I sat back and just kind of gasped. There was there was nothing I could really do because there just isn't a the depth there. And I think we have to take that in, into context when we talk about what Newcastle can realistically achieve this season. And that is partly why I've always kind of said, you know, let's get comfortably mid-table. Whatever happens is a bonus. And we build it's a long-term project. And I think, as you said, the draw against Bournemouth, the draw against Palace probably just goes to serve as a reminder of where Newcastle really are in that stage of this project. Yeah, I, I would agree in a sense. I do think, you know, the club have built a lot in a short space of time. They finished the season so well last year. I, I don't think that people saying, you know, seventh and eighth place targets were, were too unrealistic. But, um, you know, as I've been saying since the summer, I feel like it would be a big ask. Even with the players that brought in, you look at the, you know, the strength of other teams around them. And how much you know they've spent in the window, how big their squads are. I mean, as you said, looking at that bench the other day, about four or five of those players on the bench are, are fullbacks. You've got Mankio, Richie Lewis. You've got two players on the bench that can realistically change the game at the other end. And it's Chris Wood and Jacob Murphy, two players desperately out of form, desperately need a confidence. Um, so look, I think it it does just go to show anyone calling you know for a you know. A simple route through to Europe this season is probably going to have to be reevaluating their targets. I think Eddie Howe has done the right thing, which he said all summer, and that was he's not going to go public with his targets. He wants to keep them internal. Dan Burns came out in the last couple of days and said that, you know, as a fan base, we always do this. Um, we always sort of, you know, go over want, the top. Yeah, slightly. go over the top. We always want more than maybe we should. Um, but look, as I've said, early days, I don't think, you know, Newcastle United are, are ruled out of Europe now, but it's clear that they need to do more in the window. They need to make more of the players that they've got from now to January, and they need to find ways to win when the likes of Maxi and Wilson and Shelby aren't in the team. Now, there were chances for Newcastle United to win it. It wasn't like in previous games where they've just not really created too much. You know, Joe Linton had a couple of efforts, Ryan Fraser... Um, had a couple of efforts and we could actually be sitting here talking about how Newcastle won by three or four goals you know the keeper pulled off some great saves the, the road work didn't with Kieran Trippier and Joe Linton but at the end of the day it doesn't matter how many shots on target you get it, what matters is that statistic in the top corner and it obviously that's the scoreboard um, it did feel a little bit flat I thought inside St James's Park and I was as guilty as that as, as, as anyone else that was there on Saturday I'd I didn't, I didn't feel it. I just, I don't know what it was. You, you walking up to the ground, it's always a great feeling, but you, you stepped inside and, and you know Dan Byrne referenced it, and maybe everyone was in a bit of a somber mood, obviously with the the, the passion of the, of the Queen, that the, weren't the flags there, and I think I think we did get to see actually probably just how big of an impact the flag displays have, um, but obviously I think the whole the whole you know context of the last week mm-hmm. probably played into it it just didn't feel like Newcastle the fans or the players were, were really 
up for it on Saturday. It it did feel very flat, and I, and I was just about to say before you, before you mentioned it there. I think there was a bit of a weird atmosphere pre kickoff. They obviously they weren't playing the music. War flags were a big miss. Obviously, we understand completely why they thought it best not to have any displays. And also, I think the start of the game, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, Newcastle just didn't look like threatening. You know, it wasn't really until the sort of back end of the first half where, you know, Trippy hit the post, Jolton hit the post. Um, so I think, you know, St. James's Park did play a part in that. Um, but I also think... Um, it was just one of those games where, it, it, just like Palace in a sense, that it just didn't look like it was going to go in for them. Miggy, Fraser, just as we say every week, I feel like I'm just hitting my head off a brick wall every week when we talk about them. They don't have the end product. Isaac, who I know we're going to talk about later, just he looks a bit too static. He doesn't look like he knows how to play with his team just yet. Um, I think the positive really is the defence. I think that, you know, that... Yes, they had very little to do. They got caught out with a goal, obviously, but I thought apart from that, they dealt with it well. You see, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna disagree with you. Really, I felt the defense wasn't as good as it has been in, in previous weeks. And obviously, it was the big call to leave Botman out of the side, and we'll get onto that in a moment. But I, I did feel we actually saw a little bit of Fabian Shervold, you know, really? a few dodgy passes. Mm. I, I, you know, Dan Byrne. I mean, the goal itself, it was it was shocking defending. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, they didn't clear the lines and then the ball was allowed to come back in and, and uh, Billing was just allowed to, you know, pop past Pope. There, were, there, were, there was times when, and it was very few times, but there were times when I felt the defence were, were beaten by Bournemouth and, and you go up against a, a side in good form with good players and you will get punished by that and it's just disappointing to see that after where Newcastle have been in, in, in previous weeks. On the Botman call, now Eddie Howe was said it's to do with leadership and experience of Dan Byrne, who is, you know, he, he's handled being in and out of the side really well. It's going to be a big test of character for Sven Botman. It's good to see Eddie Howe not being afraid to make the big calls because, let's be honest, managers of old wouldn't have mattered you know, if Botman had a bad game, good game or indifferent, he would have been in that starting eleven, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. Good to see how not afraid to make the big calls. Was it the right call? I've been champion Dan Byrne the last couple of weeks. I've, I've found it very hard to leave him out the lineup given the start of the season. Um, if I'm completely honest, I I don't know what the best back four is. In the sense that I don't know who should play alongside Shaw because, and I think, you know, if we put it to the comments here and people that are watching live on Facebook, could you could you say one way or the other? Do you think it should be Botman or Burn? I personally can't split them at the minute. And I think Howe is right in what he said post-game when he was asked about it. He says, we love Sven. He's going to be an unbelievable footballer for this team. But Dan Byrne just offers something a bit different at the minute. And what he offers is the leadership and the voice. Whereas Botman is, is better technically... But look, it's still early days, and I think it's a good headache to have. But I personally can't call them. So the fact that what he's dropped Botman in out of three out of seven games is actually just a sign for me, really, that we've actually built a bit of depth in defence, and we don't actually just have four at the back, um, and and you know, sort of no alternatives to come in when needed. I don't know what you think about that, but it's uh, one thing that is interesting is that Eddie Howe went for Dan Byrne to bring that leadership and experience over Jamal Lascelles. Mm, yeah, very true. It's quite telling that, isn't very it? Very telling, yeah. 
Um, I, I, I'm in, in an ideal world. I think they probably might go out in January and, and you maybe see them getting another centre back. It's it's an interest one because I think Botman has a has a big future ahead of him. I think Eddie Howe described him as an outstanding player. Will become an outstanding player, but you know the Premier League is it is it, it can be tough on on new arrivals. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. He's withdrawn from the under twenty one squad for the Dutch side to focus on on Newcastle United, which tells you that he's ready for the fight um, and it's going to be interesting one to watch on, on the training pitch let's just address this comment here from from Derek um, who's watching live on Facebook he says I don't know anyone who's disappointed with our start bearing in mind the lack of balance at Maximum and Callum Wilson then considering all the VAR decisions and would be top four and deservedly so what's all the panic you sound like the fans the press accuses of being well we both said there's no need to panic mm-hmm no one's pressing the panic buttons but it would be a miss of us to sit here and pretend everything is is perfect because Newcastle have only won one game in seven so it, it, you know you can't sit here and um, claim it's been an overwhelming success an overwhelming start uh, successful start to the season but at the same time is Eddie Howe under pressure not at all you know this is a is a long-term project and I think it it's going to click into place I'm, I'm fully um, I've got a belief in, in Eddie Howe and his staff that it will click into place and I don't think we're at the, at the point where we have to say that you know I, it's it's just been one of those starts the season stop start yes they've lacked injuries yes they've had poor VAR decisions um, but I think there's been enough positives that you can be happy with but at the same time there have been enough negatives that you know I think Eddie Howe will be well aware of them and, and we'll be looking to, to rid Newcastle of them negatives going into the games after this international break. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, just on Derek's comment here, you know, he starts off by saying, I don't know anybody that's disappointed with a start. I think if you ask Eddie Howe, he's He'd be one man who would tell you straight away. He told us after Palace in the press conference that he wasn't happy with the amount of points they've got. Yes, there's, you know, there's factors on the outside. We know that they've been very, very unlucky with injuries. Um, Elliot Anderson and sort of added to that at the weekend we know obviously it's been well well documented about how much they've struggled with VAR decisions but I think if you look at some of these games they should have won against Palace they should have won against Bournemouth they were really really poor away at Brighton that's half the games already that you think really you know it wasn't the vintage Eddie Howe performances that we saw pretty much every week or every other week at the back end of last season so I'm certainly not sitting here saying we need to panic. I don't. I'm not saying fans are overwhelmingly panicking, um, but I think if you'd asked Eddie Howe at this stage, you're going to have one win from seven games at the start of the season, he'd be thinking what? Hmm. Given that they've only really faced Manchester City and Liverpool out of the top draw. Do you yeah, know what I mean? and it goes back to if you, if you can't beat Bournemouth, then which teams are you realistically looking at being? But then we again we know footballs. Um, you know, a lottery, isn't it? If, if one of those chances goes in against Bournemouth, you know, the Gillette hitting the post, the Trippier free kick, then we're, we're sitting here saying, you know, it's a win and hopefully a platform to go on. As it is, we're sitting here saying 1 1, not good enough. But it's all, and I mentioned that word again, it's all to do with the context, isn't it? And, and you know, afterwards, after the game on Saturday, you know, someone asked me, if, if Gareth Southgate leaves England, could you see. How going to England? If the results continue this way, could you see Newcastle potentially moving how on? And and I said to to this person, I said no because what they've done at Newcastle, in my view, is everything that they've done in terms of on the pitch, off the pitch, is buying into Eddie Howe's ethos. 
Now you look at say Manchester City when they had you know they would change the manager every so often until they got to Pep. They weren't really buying into the manager's ethos. It was buying players to jump the queue to the top. That's not what Newcastle are doing. They can't do it. They might be the richest club in the world in the eyes of some, but it's not as easy as it was for City. So that's another reason why I think Eddie Howe will, you know, will have the backing of of the board, and it's another reason why this will come good because his, you know, approach and and, and belief, his system, his ethos is running through from the bottom up to the top and then back down again and everyone is united and like you say it's such fine margins we literally as Derek points out could be sitting here with Newcastle comfortably in the in the top half yeah I think when it comes to Eddie Howe we know the owners have got you know a lot of time for him um, he's got a lot of credit in the bank from last season with fans with players with the owners you know, Stavely's came out and talked about um, you know him being the Alex Ferguson, Midgard Gudusi. I remember last season when they did the lap of honour after Arsenal standing and pointing at the crowd and saying, "This is our guy." So, in no way are we saying Eddie Howe's under any pressure. I don't think he is. I think when it comes to the England question, um, Newcastle have actually been harmed a bit. I think by Graham Potter going to Chelsea because you would have thought maybe that could have been a step for him if he was stayed at Brighton. Um, but I don't actually think Eddie Howe would be in any rush to leave club football. I think he's international football for him would be a nightmare. Like, having one game, too involved, I think he likes he? to be in the training ground every day. Um, and I also just think, as you say, you know, the club is being built with him in mind. As you're saying, he's got a very good relationship with Ashworth, a very good relationship with the owners, the players that they buy, and the methods that they're bringing in, the improvements they make in the training ground. He's been consulted with them all. I don't think he'd be in any rush to go if if that big job came up. So I think we'll be sitting here. And I think the only reason I could real realistically see Eddie Howe leaving this season, and I mean before the before May, is if Newcastle somehow, which and I'm not saying it's gonna happen, get dragged into a relegation fight, we get a bit more bad luck with injuries or whatever happens, it just doesn't click, and the Saudis actually think, okay. There's a manager available. We need to pull the plug. Unless that happens, I don't think you know we're in any any danger of losing them. And that being said, you know, again, it would be a miss not to maybe be critical of things that we think he's potentially done wrong. And we've got John here in the comments saying that he was disappointed with Eddie Howe and his subs on Saturday, bringing Murphy on, bringing Wood on, Longstaff. And it's interesting because I I kind of share that. I yeah, but at the same time. The options on the bench were so severely limited; it was difficult. You you knew who he who he was bringing off the bench, unless there was an injury, you know, a suspension, where a yellow card is sending off. You knew on Saturday the moment that team news dropped which players he'd be bringing off the bench, and it was exactly those three. Um, and it is it's difficult because I think it goes to show you that Newcastle are quite far away from. Really having a squad, I think that can that can push the top six. You know, everything's going to have to go their way. It hasn't so far, and that that's the big issue. January is going to be really interesting because I wasn't sold on the idea in the summer that they needed another centre midfielder. Shelby obviously got injured, but there was still talk of potentially bringing someone else in. I wasn't sold, even with Shelby injured. I wasn't necessarily thinking that's a priority. But I haven't watched the last few games. I am now because, you know, Bruno comes back. I thought he did all right. Didn't look out of place. I thought Joe Linton had, a, had another decent game. But no one was pulling up any trees. No one was taking responsibility 
on Saturday, especially in that second half. That was what really disappointed me. But then there was no one you could bring off the bench. You had Longstaff, but he's just not been the same player, unfortunately, since that injury many, many years ago. He's not a player who can change the game, unfortunately. And it just reaffirmed that, you know, yeah, I think Newcastle definitely now do need another centre midfielder somewhere on Bruno's wavelength who can come in and, and, and change a game. Yeah, I would agree. I, I I was sort of in the same camp as you over the summer. I thought they were really struggling to get players through the door and I thought they just needed to focus on getting a striker, which they did, and I really wanted them to bring in another you know, wide player. I think now the more you look at it, they probably do need another 10. James Madison in this team would be you know delivering. I think when you look at Willick, what he's done this season, hasn't done enough. Longstaff comes on, doesn't do enough. Joe Litton is fantastic, but... He's only really fantastic in 66% of the pitch. I don't think he does enough in the final third. Bruno's always going to come off on Saturday. Eddie Howe sort of said afterwards to us that he'd actually left him on for longer than he was going to. He wanted to give him an hour. But I think that goes to show you that he didn't really have enough quality on the bench to bring him on. When we talk about John's comment, I, I would agree and I would disagree. I was disappointed with Howe not bringing Chris Wood on earlier. I know that might sound silly, but we spent all game pumping crosses into the box. There were shocking crosses. But <laughs> there were crosses in the box, nonetheless. And we don't usually do that, but we had to on, on Saturday because of how deep Bournemouth are defending. And I was just sitting there thinking, it's crying out for Chris Wood to put himself about. Um, so yeah, I thought he brought him on a bit too late. As for the other comments John's made, I'm not really sure what else how was meant to do. Apart from Chris Wood, Jacob Murphy was the only attacking player on the pitch. I think you're talking about Richie Lewis, both... I mean... You know, would you take and target off for one of them? I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's hard to tie with some up, but it just goes back to the fact that, yes, they had a fantastic summer window, but I think they needed just one or two more, you know, just for a bit of depth. You mentioned there Joel Linson and he kind of is good in 60, 60, 66% of the pitch, gets in that final third and his legs sort of turn to jelly. And I, I think that was accelerated slightly on, on Saturday by the fact that he was doing what he does really well but then there was no one in front of him and we'll get on to Isaac in the moment being isolated because I think with Callum Wilson there there's someone running in the channels but what you saw in my view in the last kind of 15-20 minutes of that game on Saturday it just looked like as I've mentioned no one wanted to take on control no one wanted to take responsibility but no one seemed confident enough to just to run or pass forward and I know Bournemouth had done really well in sitting deep and frustrating Newcastle but someone has to step up someone has to want to drive forward and it was just going side to side a little bit forward then you had five inch air blasting the shot in the, in the Lisa's end and it was just it was just really frustrating there didn't seem to be a sense of urgency there didn't really seem to be an idea from anybody and you know that's where Shelby comes into it because you know he's, if a team sits deep and he's going to put that ball up and he's going to start a look to do things we'll find a bit of success down the right but as I've said the crosses weren't anything to write home about it was frustratingly a game made fairly Anderson as well I thought I think I think the four players Newcastle had missing are, are exactly what we needed as you've just touched on Shelby, Anderson, Maxi, Wilson are the four types of players that actually would have wanted to get things happening. I thought Trippier was trying to make it happen. A lot of runs forward, a lot of crosses, as you say, whether they were good or not, you know, he was he was really sort of trying to make things happen. But this is this is where, you know, I think Isaac 
so far in his first three games has maybe just struggled. I think he's been a bit passive. Fantastic goal against Liverpool, but apart from that, what did he do? Took his penalty fantastically well on Saturday. You know, fair play to him for stepping up and taking it, but I just, I'm just not sure how he fits into this side. In this side, that isn't creating very much. Well, we were speaking about this off camera. We saw it with Chris Wood when he came in in January. It felt to me that the system didn't suit Chris Wood. You bring a player like Chris Wood, and you know what his bread and butter is, to get the balls into the box. You know, they played in the same system that they've played in when Callum Wilson's been fit and it's worth the treat. They're doing the same here, in my view, and Isaac's a totally different player to Chris Wood, but he's also a different player to Callum Wilson. And it just seems like at some point, and I get Newcastle and Ali Howe seems to have, you know, this this approach to how they're going to play and it, it, he has his favourite formation, but it, and it's easy for us to sit here, you know, not involved day and day in the training, but it just seems to me that at some point they're going to have to change the system to suit the players they've got because otherwise you're going to you're going to find Isaac isolated again you're going to find I mean Chris would even have a touch on Saturday I don't think so do you know what I mean you've got these two strikers who are not well Chris Wood is not the level of Isaac you've got you know like I said the different kind of players but just play at their strengths and I think you'll soon see Newcastle United coping without Calvin Wilson in the side yeah, I think there's a big question and I think, you know, people are already asking it in the comments here as to what he does when Wilson's back. You know, how was asked about it on, on Saturday as to whether he would play Wilson alongside um, Isaac and, you know, he, he gave a response that didn't really answer the question, but he didn't shut it down. I think he's going to be open to it. I think they'll be working behind the scenes to make sure, you know, they're going to be trying it. I think they've got to because... You know, Howe's been so religious with this 4-3-3 and fair play because don't change something that's been doing so well. But when you haven't got these key players on the pitch as Newcastle haven't at the moment, I just don't know where the goals are going to come from. Trippier can only do so much. Bruno's playing too deep. Because you, you saw with these X2 moments of brilliance against Liverpool, they both came from him running off the flank. Mm, yeah. So that's a, that maybe suggests that he may be a bit more comfortable just in a bit of a wider position, which will bring up another, I guess, good issue when St. Maximum eventually does come back and, he, and he's fit and raring to go. But for the meantime, he's playing as a central striker and it just doesn't seem to suit him as well as we'd hoped. I, I don't want to be too critical of him because he's he's you know he's had three games, he's young, he's coming into a team. And look, he's scored two and three. But I, I was just watching him on... on Saturday in the first half and just sort of keeping an eye on him and there was a lot of times where he was sort of char trip you had the ball and he was looking to make a run and it didn't come off for him and he just sort of you know bit his tongue and kept his head down I think whereas that was Wilson you know you know he's wanting the ball it's given to him and I think it's just going to take a bit of time for him to get up to speed with you know his fellow attackers and also the team to get up to speed with the runs he likes to make where he wants the ball so as I said, I don't want to be too critical of him. As I said, I thought that penalty was brilliant. You know, just what we needed. It looked for a moment that Bruno wanted it. I don't know if you know fans noticed in the crowd, but when the ref was at the monitor, Bruno had the ball in his hands, and Isaac said, "No, you know, I want it." So it's early days with him, but I think, as I've said, it's it's a big question as to what he does when Wilson's back. Does he stick him out on the right or the left, or does he just you know take a bit of a risk and try to up top for a change? What do you think he's going to do? What would you do? If it was me personally, I would I would like to see Wilson and Isaac together. 
in a two and you'd maybe just maybe drop Miggy or someone out or one of the three midfielders. What I think he'll do is maybe keep one up front and maybe try Isaac out on the right or even maybe drop Isaac and just bring Wilson back in because I just think I'll be very, very surprised if Eddie Howe changes the formation that he's gone with since he came in. Didn't against Tramier earlier this season when he thought maybe that was a good chance to do it. So, look, I hope I'm wrong, but but I'm just not sure what he's going to do. I think, but I mean, I'm going over ground, just said, I do think there has to be a point where if you're playing these players, you have to change it to to fit their strength. Otherwise, you're going to have, you know, two strikers who aren't hitting the back of the net, but maybe through no fault of their own. Um, just going back, you know, slightly to the, to the squad depth, we have said, I'm both said, and I suppose it's an example of getting ahead of ourselves when things look like they're going all right, is that Newcastle have got enough in terms of wingers to get through to January. Now, that was said with Alan St. Maximum being fit and Almiron going for the golden boot, but he's let us, let me down his pit. Have they got enough? I mean, if St. Maximum isn't back for, for Fulham, you then see Fraser, you then see Almiron, and it'll probably, unfortunately, be more of the same. When we talked about it in the summer and we said they've got enough, it looked like on paper they had enough. We were sort of banking, as you've said, on Miggy, you know, improving a bit on his pre-season form. Fraser's came back and I, I, I don't know whether it's all the injuries or the lack of game time, but just doesn't offer enough. And it, I, I never really used to notice that with Fraser, but when you, you know, you take a look, I thought he, he, he was very, very ineffective again on, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it was a real shame that Anderson picked up a knock because I think that was the game to start him in. And I think, you know, Anderson Anderson should be back for Fulham and I think you've got to throw him in from the start. I think you've got to have him down the left if Max isn't fit. I think you've got to have him in the centre over Willick if Maxie is fit. I think Um, Willick drops out of that side. Yeah, so do I. Regardless, I thought he had an absolute shocking game on Saturday. You don't want to... You don't want to, um, you know, scapegoat anybody, but I thought he, he just looked like he couldn't trot a bag of cement. The ball was just bouncing up and around him, and I thought he had a really poor game. And it's such a shame because he's such a talented player, but something just is not working for Joe Willie. I think he's a confidence player, isn't he? and I think, you know, we were sort of blessed when we brought him in on loan, and he had that freakish run of games of seven goals and seven games. We're never going to see that from him again. I just think he doesn't look confident enough ahead of goal, uh, in front of goal. Sorry. Thought there was a couple of moments in the first half where him, uh, Willick, Trippier and Almiron were linking up really, really well down that right-hand side. But, you know, it just came to nothing. And I think, you know, that's just where Newcastle are missing. Just that final third. Um, so Willick, for me, drops out for Anderson if, if he's back. But but I think, um, you know, going back to your first question about do they have enough... I'm, I'm maybe starting to change my mind as to... I mean, you know, they have enough. They've Steve got enough bodies here, on the pitch, yeah. Steve says we've got enough to stay in the Premier League, but not enough to challenge for anything, improving slowly. I think that's probably a spot on common. Get that on a flag, get that on a T-shirt. Cause I, I, <laughs> slowly. And I think that, you know, David said there, Rome wasn't built in a day. And this this is goes back to the point I mean, right at the start. It's about being realistic and, and, and just taking things slowly, you know. It's, it's a project over many years. And I think Castle are going to be perfectly safe, but it's what mm. comes after that. Yeah. I think anything, um, you know, maybe is a, is a bonus. Um, just on lack of direction and urgency towards the end of that half on Saturday, what 
was that? Do you think Newcastle had just become tired and frustrated with the way Bournemouth had played? I think I think to give Bournemouth credit, it was a it was a good defensive performance from them, you know, really, really solid, sitting so deep and just knowing that, you know, the likes of Miggy and Fraser weren't gonna get a chance to actually get in behind. Um I think it's maybe a bit of fatigue. I think the team are still feeling the effects of the sort of big runner games they've had. I think it's the fact that as we've touched on, they had a, we- had a enough, weekend off. There just isn't enough creativity in that team. I think it's just a number of factors. I think, as you touched on before, there just wasn't someone that was going to take the game by the scruff of its neck. Um, I think it's just a lot of factors. I think, yeah, it just looked like a stale performance of of a team that had, you know, been coached the same way for a number of years, and obviously that isn't the factor, but. I think hopefully we're going to see a big boost in the full team once we get some of these big names back. Because, I mean, if we don't, then you know it, it isn't looking too good. But I don't, as we've said, it's nothing to worry about. I think it was just one of those days. Mm. And I mean, just how important is is it that Alan St. Maxman is back as as soon as possible? Sorry, again, I was reading the comment. There. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That that that's how engaged uh, Aaron has become with Newcastle United over recent <laughs> weeks. I was just asking you how important it is that uh, they get Alan St. Maxman back on at the pitch as soon as possible. Yeah, hugely important. Um, you know, it was I was sort of tweeted the other day how crazy it was to think that you know less than two months ago, quite a lot of fans were saying cash in. I mean, where on earth would Newcastle be if they had cashed in on him now? And I mean. Look, the thing with Maxi is we know we can't take it for granted. He could come back, you know, to all this fanfare against Fulham and have one of his anonymous games. But I feel like, you know, he's the ultimate confidence player. He needs players on his, you know, on his back and, you know, sorry, he needs fans on his on his back and behind him. And, you know, all the clamour around him now, you know, everyone you see on social media, oh, we need Maxi back, we need Maxi back. I think we're going to see the best Maxi when he's finally fit because... um He's yeah, he's been he's been really he's been a massive miss, and I think, um, you know, it goes to show that you know how knows best when it says he wasn't going to sell him, and um, but yeah, hopefully the setback that he suffered, you know, we know that he has, um, he was initially close to being back for West Ham, he suffered a bit of a setback. Hopefully he's back for Fulham, but you know how wasn't really giving anything away on that. I think the comment that caught your attention just before that question was from Derek, and he mm-hmm. says. Just shows how fans see how fans see and think differently. I'm not a Fraser fan at all, but I thought he had his best game on Saturday, uh, but was unlucky to find a keeper in such good form. And yeah, you know the keeper did pull off a, a fantastic save, um, and we just need to see more of that from Fraser because when St Maximum comes back, Fraser's probably going to be the game changer off the bench. Yeah, and I think well that goes to show. I think you know I'd be a lot more. Confident if I had Fraser coming off the bench and we've got Murphy coming off the bench, um, which is another boost of, of Maxi coming back. But it, I mean, it, we obviously differed in this podcast already about the defence. Me and Derek there, that was the comment that caught my eye. Obviously, disagreed about Fraser. It's the beauty of the game. But I just think Fraser had a good couple of chances in that first half. But I thought, on the whole, you know, for an experienced Premier League player like that, you know, he had the away fans on his back all game. I just thought he just. You know, he wasn't visible enough as often. And I just think, similar to Miggy, I think that final ball just lets him down sometimes. Now, there were a few boos at full time. I don't think they were aimed at, at, at Eddie Howe in, in, in any way. I think just frustrated at the performance, really, and, and, and the result. Yeah, I think I think it was telling that there was a you know a very small smattering of boos. 
Um, but, you know, very, very quickly finished and were drowned out. I think it was just a bit of, you know, short-term frustration at the 90 minutes rather than anything that we've seen so far. So, yeah, I don't think that was too big of a deal to, to make anything out of. Looking forward to this international break then? Um, no, you know what, I'm actually not. I would really love, you know, Newcastle to be playing tonight to try and put the, you know, Saturday's wrong behind them. But, um, you know, the players are getting a good rest now. Eddie Howe's going to be back on the train pitch later this week with them. Hopefully getting them ready for Fulham. But interesting game because Fulham, are, you know, they've had a good start and, you know, Craven Cottage, not the easiest place to go. So interesting to see how they do next week. Concede goals though, don't they? Yeah, so they do. I think I, I think it's yeah. I think it's it's a good team to, you know, as you say, to get in behind. I think if Maxi's back, then it's a game that'll suit them. Um, but look, they've got you know attackers in fine form, and you know it'll be good to see Mitrovic and see what he can do. But yeah, it, it'll be an interesting game. But yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not looking forward to this international break, unfortunately. Uh, Darren Lee Wells says Bournemouth parking the bus didn't help. Uh, the keeper kept the minutes be more open game against Fulham who will go all out against us and it's interesting now the reference to, to parking the bus it's probably something new that Newcastle are dealing with teams sitting back and frustrating them because that's often what Newcastle used to do even in Daddy Howe especially when he first came in last November Newcastle with the players of bought the way they play we know Daddy Howe wants to be more uh, front foot so that is also another element of context you probably have to place on this result the disappointment of it it's Newcastle are still learning to be this team that have to take control of a game yeah definitely and I think it's a huge compliment really that the fact that you know Forrest came and tried to do it to an extent Palace came and did it and Bournemouth did it sort of more than all three of them put together but it goes to show that teams are going to be threatened by coming to St James's Park and playing this Newcastle United team I think it's something that will you know, come to see a lot more this season in home games. Um, and it's up to Howe and the team to find a way to get past that because, you know, they've had sort of two or three cracks at it now and it didn't look like there'd been any improvement at it on Saturday. But this is what you want as a, as a manager and yeah, as, as a team, you want that kind of challenge. And like you said, it is a massive compliment that teams are recognising Newcastle have have this, this threat. Um, just let's try and finish then on some positive news. We've, we've mentioned it kind of. But the Fulham game, do we expect Wilson, Anderson, St Maximum back? Is it maybe two of three? Is it all three? What's your, um, what's your feeling? Wilson, I would say, is, is, is probably the most likely given that, you know, um, apparently he was very, very close to making the, the squad on Saturday. Eddie Howe and the team sort of took a late decision that Wilson wouldn't be involved, but it looks like he's sort of back up to speed. Um, Elliot Anderson looks like it was just a minor setback so I know he hasn't trained for the last week or so but there isn't too much to worry about there Maxi's the one that maybe is the one to miss out out the three given that you know how was a bit a bit coy on him after the game on Saturday saying that he'd suffered a bit of a setback um, with the physios wasn't going to be risked so hopefully two out the three um, but it looks like Wilson and Anson probably the most likely and Darren there says Mitchell will be the one to keep quiet when we play Fulham. Indeed he will. And I hope you haven't jinxed that by him now going out and scoring three or four goals. And we did finish on a high then. I've just uh, brought it down, haven't I? I do apologise. <laughs> and this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Please head over to chroniclelive.co.uk 
to keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news, including the Papa John's uh, game tonight, Barnsley, on a 21. So that'll be a live blog running with Lee Ryder down there at Oakwell to bring you all the coverage. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and to the YouTube channel. And join us later in the week for an episode of uh, Let's Talk About with John Gibson, bringing that one back for the international break. And we'll be bringing you a Gibbles Corner as well, where me and John discuss Newcastle's greatest ever flop. So that certainly will be an interesting one. Thank you as always for joining us and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>